The second reading is from Romans 16, 19 to 20 and 25 to 27. St. Paul writes, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We have been meditating on the three advents of our Lord in our midweek worship. The first advent is his coming as a child in Bethlehem, a coming in the past, a fulfillment of Old Testament promises. The second advent is his coming to judge the living and the dead. And every promise will be consummated. Tonight we consider the third advent, his coming to believers through word and sacrament, his coming to us in the present. The first thing to realize is the unity or connection between past, future, and present. And that Christ's advent is something that transcends time. So it's not really three advents, but three aspects of God's coming to us. God's coming into the world affects our past, our present, and our future. When anyone comes to Christ, he is a new creation with a different past than he had before, a different present, and a different future. God has come to us that we may come to God. There's a certain reciprocity in this. He comes to us that we may come to him. God spoke of this being a new creature in the prophet Jeremiah. A day would come, said God, through the prophet, when he would write his covenant on the hearts of his people and they would truly know him. This is why Christ taught his disciples that they were blessed beyond any of the Old Testament peoples, for they saw what their ancestors longed to see and understood the secrets of the kingdom of God in a way that was veiled to the ancients. We with the disciples are blessed with a knowledge of the plan of salvation how it is centered on Christ, and how we have communion with God through him. Jeremiah 31 says that the basis for this new and intimate relationship with God is the forgiveness of sins. Nothing kills a relationship, human or otherwise, than refusing to forgive sin. We have sinful motives for refusing to forgive. 
When you have hurt or offended me, you are in my debt, and that puts me in the right. We love being in the right. We love looking down at others. That is one reason why victimization is so important to some people, because it conveys a kind of moral superiority. This is why some people enjoy accusing God of everything that goes wrong in the world because it suggests that they are in the right vis-a-vis -vis God. And that is a pretty heady thought. Another reason we refuse to forgive is that it puts the burden on the other guy. He is the one expected to change and to accommodate, to pay in whatever sense required we don't have to change what we're doing if we did nothing wrong. Someone else has to. And these attitudes of self-righteousness and intransigence are the reason why there is so little peace on earth and goodwill among men. So to melt our cold, intransigent, self-righteous hearts, God himself acted to forgive sin. First by coming among us, and then by keeping the laws on our behalf, and finally by suffering in our place for the laws we failed to keep. Christ came among us to die for us and atone for our failures. And receiving forgiveness from Christ, we may allow it to flow through us to others. He comes to us by the gospel, the power of God for salvation to all who believe. By means of the gospel, the good news of God's love and forgiveness in Jesus, St. Paul teaches, Christ is formed in you. Analogous to the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary so that the Christ became incarnate in her womb. So the Holy Spirit overshadows you and me that Christ be formed in our hearts. Thereby God himself dwells in us. As St. Paul further teaches, your bodies become the temple or dwelling of the Holy Spirit. As the flame attaches to the candle, so the Spirit attaches to our hearts, making the Son and the Father present as well. To know someone in the Bible is to know intimately. It's often used in the physical sense. But God is a spirit and cannot be known in such a carnal way. But our relationship is even more intimate than the physical, which is temporary and passes away. No, our relationship with God, our knowing God, is a spiritual union which is now experienced darkly, dimly, the power manifest only intermittently. But a time is coming when we shall see God face to face and we will rejoice in knowing God even more than we do so now. And many Christian hymns, many Christmas hymns speak of the Lord's coming to us through the Christmas gospel through the specific message that Christ is born in our world. You know the words from Little Town of Bethlehem, written by Phillips Brooks. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. 
So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And he concludes with that prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. And the famous hymn, Joy to the World. The Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. And you may recall Luther's hymn with its beautiful prayer, Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed soft, undefiled, within my heart that it may be a quiet chamber kept for thee. It is my prayer that the Christmas gospel will enable God the Holy Spirit to form Christ in you that he may continually dwell in your hearts that you may live now with that taste of heaven that gives you joy and hope and perseverance in the Christian life until that second advent when we shall see face to face. May the Lord richly bless you with faith from the Christmas gospel. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.